0: the touch of your lips, dear, but much more for the touch of your
1: whips, dear.
0: You can raise welts like nobody else as we dance to the masochism tango. Tonight on the show, Hillary and I are super happy and proud to welcome back one of our dear friends and dear supporters of the show, George from Horror Weekly. Hey, George. Hello. How's everybody? Everybody is good. And this is so cool because this is a movie that we had talked about this being like a film with bad intentions. And mm-hmm. this is definitely a film with bad intentions. The other one I think mm-hmm. we discussed was Fire Walk with Me, which we will definitely be doing in the future.
2: Yep, yep, and Angel Heart, which was yep. the episode originally. Yep.
0: And we did Angel Heart exactly. So, um, I have a
2: question though. The first time I I appeared on your podcast a couple months ago, and ever since then I've stayed manic the whole time. Should I be worried? Should I consult a doctor? <laughs> Yes. No,
0: that's, that's perfectly condition? normal. Do not, you do okay. not need to waste money at the ER or the urgent
2: care okay. to
0: find anything out. I because just, yes, wanted, you're
2: just wanted to check. I was worried.
0: Supposed to stay manic. Indeed. Um, what is your background with this? Because I know Hillary and I have different backgrounds with this. So we'd love to know, like, when did you first see this and how did you get into
2: this? So I saw this as with most great horror movies too young. <laughs> um, <laughs> Right. But like the weird thing about this was I saw them sequentially. So I saw the original Exorcist, then Exorcist Two gave up on the franchise like everybody sensibly would after seeing that.
0: Oh god.
2: Right. And then I got intrigued with Exorcist three because I read the novel Legion. And I loved the story. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna check this out. Right. And I was entranced just from the beginning. Right. I could tell there was Something really so like the thing I look for in movies is if they do something that stand out. Right. And like the thing that jumped out to me immediately about Exorcist 3 is standout is that it's a truly adult horror movie. Yeah. Right? So like if I took the four main characters, uh, Father Dyer, Kinderman, David and Karras, and then uh, the Gemini killer. Right. And I averaged their ages at the time it was filming. it, It means that the average age of a character in this movie was 56 years old. Nice. Now try to find another horror movie where the top four characters average out to that age. You can't do it. Right? Like, they're all, it's all 20s the or challenge 30s. Challenge accepted.
1: Average. I'm going to try.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. I tried. And like, maybe something super obscure, but it's, you know, the, the, the parallel to me was hereditary. And that's where I feel like Exorcist 3 really jumps out because a lot of people really love hereditary and they cherish it as something scary. But I actually feel like Exorcist 3 is more original than hereditary in the fact that, first of all, if you average the ages of the main characters, hereditary, it's like mid-late 30s, right? Right. So it's not like I really an adult. You remember
1: Hereditary from the young girl. Like, she, right. she was really, like, the standout, like, the teenage boy, I could give or take him. But the creepy girl is... So, 100%. yeah, no, I, I don't think Hereditary right? stands on that.
2: But the other thing is that Hereditary is, like, in terms of originality, Exorcist is a truly adult horror movie. Hereditary... As original scenes. I haven't seen telephone pole kills before, but it's dealing with trauma and grief and like a possessed kid that's gonna unleash planetary evil on the world. Anyone seen The Omen? Right. So, like, when you boil it down to its elements, right, it's not.
1: (laughs) It's all for you.
2: (laughs) Totally. So, it just doesn't feel that original. Meanwhile, you have a sequel to a franchise that has an insane main character in the main detective. It's got a truly adult cast. It talks more than it shows. And all of that kind of, I knew it the first time I saw it, like subconsciously. But the more I rewatched it, the more I was just like, this is a special standout movie. So that's my background.
0: So let's see. I I had not seen this movie until maybe six years ago. I had heard about it uh, being, I heard about it being Dahmer's favorite film. Like that's, a, you know, that's kind of, kind of, you know, if you're a true crime nerd, then, you know, you know about Exorcist three, but I knew nothing about it. And like, I didn't know who was in it. Um, I mean, obviously if I would have followed, you know, well, Exorcist two, cause that's so fucking horrendous. You know, I mean bad and like that is like a that is like a midnight movie bad. Like that is yeah. and it but it's also way too long to be midnight movie bad because that movie <laughs> is long in runtime and long in everything that happens in it. It just makes you it's just like, God man, this is terrible. And then Richard Burton is just drunk most of the time. <laughs> <It was, laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean indeed. there's just nothing particularly fun about exorcist two i would say um so i had a boyfriend and he uh he mentioned that exorcist three was like his one of his top horror films and uh i bought it for him when they came out with the uh remastered dvd and uh that's exactly like how i saw it and I thought this is just spooky and chilling and all of all of the things. Right. And then I recently watched it again with my, my, my new boyfriend <laughs> and, he was, and he was like, I've never seen this. And he just thought it was, you know, chilling and disturbing and all that. It's definitely not a comfort horror watch. You know, no. that's more of a like, I watch this once a year when I'm really feeling like I can get into some dark shit because it's a dark, it's not only a dark subject movie. It's a movie with no hope. Like,
2: yeah, basically. abandoned.
0: Yeah, exactly. It is a hopeless film. It is a film where yeah. the things that you or I should say society values as being safety places like hospitals, like churches, like. Those types of things are not. Totally. <laughs> they removed no, totally. all of that completely. So it point. is this very bleak and dark, and the only two moments of levity are at the very beginning of the film. So once that happens, once once the carp story is done and 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 once Father Dyer has my favorite line of any really any horror film, which is Jesus loves you. Everyone else thinks you're an asshole. So <laughs> yes. Then then I'm done. I'm like, OK, now we're all right. Let's, you know, buckle up, my friend. Yeah, no,
2: the, the first quarter of the movie is actually stacked with really funny lines, right? Yeah. Like I love the, the friendship between Dyer and, and Kinderman. And when they're sitting in the restaurant, interspersed with the horrible details of the murder of the Kitry Boy are like spectacular jokes. It's such a weird mix, right? Like yeah. Kinderman saying, like, you know, why would God allow this to happen? And Father Dyer's like, don't worry, it all comes out right in the end. And Kinderman's like, when? His father's like, at the end of time. He's like, oh, that soon? Right? There's like really good stuff in there. But the humor vanishes from the movie, like you said after the first the first quarter of the movie.
0: Right. It's it's completely gone and then you're oh, you're God. and then you're in this world that just makes you physically uncomfortable and then also makes you just kind of go, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know what I believe anymore, really. Um right? so I will I will turn this over to our uh, our lapsed
1: catholic uh yes. <laughs> Hillary Excellent. and ask her what, what her background with this is. Um so I I tried, you know, Exorcist, The Exorcist, the original, is probably like my, I still am looking for a movie to give me the high that Exorcist gave me. That movie rocked my world when I saw it. It's, you know, being re-released in theaters, and I bought me and my 13-year-old stepdaughter tickets to go see it in theaters with the remastered. And she looked at me and she was like, am I old enough to watch The Exorcist? And I was like, no, and I hope it terrifies you. <laughs> like, I hope you are up all night, like, crying. Because that's... Unlucky how-
2: 13, perfect.
1: Get into horror. You, you say you want to get into horror. This this is how we <laughs> do it. <laughs> and then, you know, I watched Exorcist 2 and I was like, oh, okay. So Exorcist is a standalone film. That, we're good. And then Exorcist 3, I feel like I tried to watch it. But hearing you say it's like a grown-up horror film makes so much sense to me as to like why I really didn't get it and didn't care. Like in oh, my like. teenage years it it was maybe too advanced for me. I was just like I'm bored out of my mind. I couldn't even get to the good stuff. You know yeah. and probably turned it off. And then like in my 20s I probably caught it on you know some TV channel and again was just like I'm whatever like I don't care. Everyone's talking. What's happening? Right, like, I, right. this is not exciting, like, you know, and then I think it was really when I learned that, you know, it was like the Dahmer movie and this is what, like, all of the, you know, victims were watching, you know, horrific yeah. as that is, I was just like, okay, we're gonna try this one more time and, and, like, I went in and then when I was, like, I forced myself to, like, sit through it and I was like, oh holy shit oh my (laughs) god and then yesterday I was re-watching it again to be like you know fresh with the fresh with ideas because I knew I was going to hang out with you two and I didn't want to just sit here and uh, (laughs) my 13 year old came and sat down next to me and she watched about 10 minutes and she was like this is boring what even happens in this movie? And I was, and now hearing you just say that, I was like, she's right on target. She's so,
2: <laughs> I, I
1: love that. And the movies which,
2: like "I'll See You Again" in twenty years.
1: You're right, like in twenty years, <laughs> right? we could have her on and be like, so listen. But yeah, I George C. Scott, like just a gem amongst men. You know, just
2: Amazing.
1: absolutely can like hold any scene and can be humorous without being humorous. He's absolutely a man that I would never want to yell at me because I know I would listen. And I don't have that effect when most people yell at me. Most people I'm just like, Meh. It, like, <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> like, <that's, laughs> we don't need to be doing all that. But like, if he, George C. <laughs> Scott yelled at me, I'm absolutely going to be like, "Jump, cut to what do you need me to do, sir?" <laughs> uh yeah. You know,
2: it's that gravelly voice.
1: Absolutely, and just because of his presence, I wasn't questioning why he's able to lock down an entire hospital with just. No, we're locking the hospital. I was like, absolutely, we are. Yep. Like, it just, his presence well, and, was... and his
2: people were particularly motivated because he just lost his best friend and they knew that this was extra. <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah, nobody
1: was going to challenge him. Right. And that made so much... I wasn't going to challenge him. You know, <laughs> like, you've lost your best friend. You are who you are in the presence that you hold. What you tell me to do is what we're doing. And it's also
2: love- it's undersold how charming he is as well. If he was just like in general patent mode, mean and shouty, it wouldn't work. But like there's an amazing little moment when they go into the psych ward and he's getting introduced around um, and a woman comes up to him and says, Are you my mm-hmm. son? And he goes, I'd be honored to think so. Right. It was like yeah. so sweet and when uh these little moments.
1: yeah when he's with the nurse like you know the bitchy kind of head nurse and yep. she's you know suturing his hair just bandaging his hand
0: nancy fish
1: okay yeah uh nurse nurse Crazy. nurse allerton yeah she's yep. she's just she's great
0: man like she she she's always plays healer. that role like yep. nancy fish has never played a role where he she's like a kind endearing you know <laughs> loving, sweet woman. She has, um, she has a fantastic role, like a little cameo in a movie called hiding out with, um, John Cryer from 1987.
2: And I seen
0: it. she plays a teacher and he plays this like uh person, you know, who's supposed to be like in their twenties, who has to go back to high school because, um, he's hiding out from the mob. Uh, someone's trying mm-hmm. to kill him. So he has to go back to high school. So he's in like a class and they're talking about, um, uh Nixon you know and she's like he was and she's the teacher so she's like he was a great man and he was you know uh he was hunted down in his prime and (laughs) and John Cryer's like he was he was a terrible person and he he you know he, he swindled the country and he's trying to explain this to these kids around him and she looks at him and she goes, You're not old enough to know who Nixon was.
2: <laughs> She's a little intimidating voice. herself. There's a there's a great moment where well, after um after the Kinderman lays the smackdown on the Gemini killer and slaps him in the face in like what is one of the best horror movie hero jump scares. Because he's just all of a sudden in front of Brad Dourif hitting him, right? Oh yeah. And and the scene is terrifying. Brad Dourif is giving Brad is giving one of the most amazing performances in horror history. And Kinderman comes out of the cell, and she goes in, and there's a beat, and you just hear her yell, "His goddamn nose is broken!" And it was like she was scary. <laughs> like you, know, you, you imagine what force of personality you have to have to be scary in a scene between George. has got a Brad Dourif and Brad Dourif, okay,
0: like how is? Oh God, yeah, exactly. And I, I really. Like I love George C. Scott, but I really love Ed Flanders as as Father Dyer. He's one of my favorite actors. I, I just got into St. Elsewhere like last year, uh, for the okay. first time and had never seen it and and knew nothing about it, and um except that it was an 80s show. And and so I was like, all right, I guess I gotta check this out. And uh Ed Flanders was just so, so endearing good. and
2: so, so good. that. This movie doesn't nearly work as well if their friendship doesn't, doesn't work. And their friendship, there are scenes where, like during the carp scene, watching his reaction to the story is what makes that scene. His, like, smile as the carp story is getting laid out, like, he's almost enjoying the uncomfortable situation that George C. Scott is in, right? Like, he's got a little, he's not soft, right? Like, the, there's a banter in the beginning between him and um, the, one of the other uh, priests. And they're asking each other, Where, What are you doing today? And he goes, I'm going to see, I'm at the flicks. I'm going to see It's a Wonderful Life. And he goes, I've seen it 37 times. And the other priest is like, That's commendable. And then he goes, What's your favorite movie? And the other priest goes, The Fly. <laughs> 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 but I mean, Landers is just so good with that banter with other characters, he's incredible. Yeah.
0: He's really an amazing actor. And, and he, I mean, I, I know that obviously his, his, his death is very controversial as far as um in real life, his death is, is, you know, right. because there are some people who think it was suicide and there are other people who think it was homicide. And um right. but he was one of those just amazing actors, actors, you know, that, 100%. you know, uh, unfortunately tortured by his own alcoholism and depression and yeah, which like this that. movie
2: has in spades because that same thing happened with Jason Miller, obviously. Like, mm-hmm. that's part of why Brad Dourif was even in the movie is that Jason Miller couldn't do it. The studio wanted yeah. him to do the whole part, and he was so deep into alcoholism and the wreckage of that that he couldn't even remember enough lines to carry through the whole scenes, which is really sad. But I think you know, this one thing like uh, that intrigues me about this movie is. of the time, studio interference means a movie gets worse. But to me, studio interference, in this case, made the movie better. I like the theatrical version more, and I like that Brad Dourif and Jason Miller are playing the same character. I would hate to lose one of their performances, because everyone talks about Brad Dourif, and rightfully so. He's incredible in this movie. But Jason Miller gives me chills (laughs) in the scenes where he's just talking as a possessed his voice is incredible, right? Like, his, 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 um, the way he delivers the lines is so sinister from a character that we had had such good memories of from the exorcist and thought of him as such a good person. And now we have to fear him. Yeah. Right. Which is, which is a great, you know, little trick the movie does.
1: Yeah. If they had just had Brad Dourif playing like Father Karras. As now the Gemini killer, and we as the audience who were obsessed with The Exorcist, and it was just kind of like, no, you just got to believe us that this is who would that would have ruined it for me because I what I'm saying. who Damien it like Damien and I are homies, like I can right. point him out, and I right. loved the transition from Jason Miller now into Brad Dourif, and I remember like. Going like wait a minute am am I did I catch that right is this now a whole new part like what are we doing and just yep. seeing them like go back and forth fighting in the one body I was like why aren't we doing this more in possession films
2: like it's so good right
1: it's so good it's so effective and and neither why of we them seeing it, it all the time
2: the studio, the studio wanted it one way the director wanted it the other way and the compromise is what we love. Brilliant, <laughs> right? It's it's amazing. And you know, the Blatty said that the point of The Exorcist was not just the possession of Regan, but also to attack all the people around her in a widening circle, right? Mm-hmm. And it made me think of how, like, how sad would it be if the if the devil of like Pazuzu possessed like Tom Hanks and Castle, like you possessing a guy on an island, you got nowhere to go, right? You're, you're just gonna, you're just gonna ruin one guy's life.
0: Just, I, just one guy's of, life and maybe some coconuts.
2: Yeah. <laughs> totally, just like, Wilson. All you want, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. But that's it. You know, it, the, the, when you think about it, framed that way, it's it's the damage that goes outward. And if it was only Brad Dourif in there, like you can see the sadness in Kinderman's eyes when he sees what his friend is going through there, mm-hmm. and it makes it so hard at the end when he asks. There's spoilers shoot jason miller like immediate immediately when he calls out to him and says shoot me now shoot me now and it w- wouldn't have the same impact if we were looking at brad Dourif. Program.
0: yeah right because it's, it's pretty i mean brad Dourif, god bless he's frightening but fuckable you know i mean that's <laughs> that's how i would describe brad Dourif is every movie i've ever seen fair. brad Dourif, and i'm like i'd sleep with him but i'm also kind of scared
2: fair totally fair yep. <laughs>
0: but, but yeah him him You know, getting the courage to kill Brad Dorff would just be like, "Eh." you know, like, yeah, obviously one more scum off the street kind of thing. But the fact that he has to kill his friend who, through really no fault of his own, has been taken over by this entity. uh, Uh, Just trying
1: to help. Right. And like, do God's work, you know, and and save this little girl. Now, his entire life has been. You know he was dead. Then he was possessed. Then he was just you know for a few years just walking around, lost in the world, murdering people. Like seeing himself murder people, knowing like that's not who he is. Go to a mental right. institution. Like that is a lot, just to help fucking Reagan McNeil, you, right? Like what? Like like right? it's such a hopeless situation. It really makes me not want to help people today.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh no. But it's the suffering is the point. Like he literally in, in his raving mode, Brad Durk says he's in here with us, his, his pain will never end. right And you know one thing that's interesting about Exodus 3 is everyone knows that it's a wonderful life like blood writing thing. But if you think about, as far as I can tell, the movie It's a Wonderful Life is about two things. One is your suffering has a point. Because George Bailey suffers through the whole movie, giving up everything he always dreams, and then it all pays off at the end, right? And the second thing is that community matters. Living for other people matters, right? Yes. Well, Exorcist 3 is literally the anti... The
0: opposite of all of that, right? Yeah, <laughs> right? it's like... And it
2: knows it, right? It's like, we're going to break the community down, and so... The devil agrees with you that suffering is important, but only because he wants to inflict it forever. Right. <laughs> right. Right. He doesn't want the pain to end. And right. And a life. It will
0: Very similar to when you and I did Angel Heart, you know, just very similar to it's like, it's like yeah, He's like, I could kill you as the devil, or I could make you kill a bunch of people and then totally. fuck your daughter and really. then go to hell. <laughs> right. right. We all as have Brad Durf would, to make, you know.
2: <laughs> as, as, Brad, as Brad Durf would say, I threw that in for no extra charge.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, he's he's so he's so incredibly good in this. And now you mentioned we all we all obviously know the Dahmer story, but do you guys know about the Gainesville murder story because that's my favorite.
2: Right. Right. And it's so spooky how that comes back around because Exorcist three inspired the Gainesville Ripper, and the Gainesville Ripper inspired partially Kevin Williamson to write Screen.
0: Exactly. So like right? so, but one of my favorite my one of my favorite moments in court TV in court TV history is when you know oh, no. Danny Rowling, is is um he's you know he's basically pleading insanity is what he was pleading initially he's pleading insanity they get the psychiatrist up there. The psychiatrist says, Well, yes, he is pleading insanity um, because he has split personality disorder. Uh, and because he has split personality disorder, he doesn't actually know what he did. It's his alter ego, Gemini. And all the right. horror fans in the whole world were like, You know, and then yep. they cross examine. And then they come on and they're like, Are you aware? that the Gemini killer is a character in a movie called the exorcist three. And the psychiatrist is like, no. And he's like, are you aware that Danny Rawling bought a ticket to see the exorcist three a week before he, you know, went on his killing spree? No. (laughs) Prosecution rests. (laughs) (laughs) You could just see, you literally could just see the defense, just like crumble, 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 (laughs) crumble, crumble.
2: crumble. Amazing. And you know, 4 TV has to be one of the three television channels that plays in hell. So that's oh yeah. Perfect.
1: I guarantee you it's that and E. <laughs> oh, and Oxygen <laughs> and they play Bad Girls Club all 27 series of Bad Girls Club. Which I'm I sure. think the Bad Girls Club is actually now on Tubi. Um, it is oh, because no. I I'm watching it. I that's yeah, it's a shame. But One thing I will say about Exorcist 3, yeah, I'm going to go to hell, but at least I'll have good TV. So uh, one of my absolute favorite things about Exorcist 3, just to reel it back around, is all the close-up shots, like between George C. Scott, you know, and like Father Dwyer. And I felt like I was in on the joke, or I felt like I was invited into a secret conversation that I'm not supposed to hear. And just like... It was so everything was like close up or real, 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 real far away or real, real close up. And I was I thoroughly loved like being like the inside fly on a wall, like I'm not supposed to be hearing this or knowing this, but I
2: get to. That's really cool, because that I mean, it should be mentioned that this is one of if not the greatest movie ever written, ever directed by a legitimate horror author, like a horror novelist. The only rival would probably be Clive Barker's Hellraiser, right? And he, you know, the what are you missing when you put a movie from a book is all that internal monologue. Like you feel closer to characters in a book. Mm-hmm. But somehow he sort of duplicates that effect with this movie. Not exactly, but he still makes you feel like you really understand these people. Right. Yes. That's a novelist correct, which is which is really cool. I have a question. I have there's something about this movie I've never been able to figure out. And if if you don't remember, that, fair enough. But there's a horrible killing scene in the beginning where it's in the confession booth, and he kills the priest in the confession booth. But before, well, I don't know. He so you're hearing this old woman's voice through the confessional booth saying, "I, you know, I, I'm I have a trouble with all this bleeding. I got to work on this problem of bleeding. The first one I killed by slitting her throat, and the priest is getting more and more scared. Is that Brad Dour?"
0: um yes it, or okay. okay so from what i've sounded
2: like Brad dourif talking like an old woman
0: well so the voice fun fact the voice that actually they did uh for the confessional for the for that for that version of um of of brad dourif is actually colleen Dewhurst, who was married to oh. george c scott at the time
2: oh so, my god okay
0: yeah so and her voice sounds like literally like like tom carvel gargling hot asphalt like i mean just remember the old carvel ice cream from ice, yeah. ice cream commercials like just in time for father's okay. day
2: cookie bus <laughs> <laughs> but the most sinister version possible
0: <laughs> <laughs> or there's like a whale like a whale cake and it's like you're right with a whale of a dad like, that kind of thing. Like, that's what Colleen Dewar sounds like on a good day.
2: Right, right. <laughs> I'm amazed that you know who did that voice. I could not find it. I was <laughs> like... And so the question is, is that is that a possessed woman doing the killing? Like, when Gemini possesses the oh, nurse yeah, to go to kingdom of about It's
1: the lady all in black that you see So it is with, her, okay. Yeah, you see her walking in and she's kind of an invalid... And later, Brad Dourif says, you know, like, the catatonics are easy to possess. So, yeah, he possesses her, goes in, and then as she's walking out, she's blessing herself, like, what the fuck (laughs) did I just do? Right, I gotta go. (laughs)
2: Amazing. That scene is so chilling. It's it's Oh, my God.
0: That was one of the first moments that I realized that this movie wasn't fucking around. Was, I mean... I mean, obviously, I probably should have been more upset about the fact that they were talking about this poor boy that had been, you know, crucified and everything. But the moment where the Colleen Dewhurst voice kicks in and she's like, you know, there was that waitress and candlestick park and i went ah, like i just i was just like i don't know what the fuck yeah i that that was the moment where i was like okay okay okay, this is not a this no comfort horror here you know
2: (laughs) no this movie's for real
0: (laughs) (laughs) they are not messing around the also the overall look of this film is also like that too where even on the days where it's daytime There is this Mm -hmm. grayish tint over everything that just makes it hopeless. It makes it uncomfortable and it makes it very like sad. And I, I personally have been committed at least once to a mental hospital. So I do know that lifestyle, so to speak, um, and uh, and and it was interesting, just the whole idea of the you know it's like yes the, the catatonic are so easy to possess, and it's like yeah right. the mentally ill would be really easy to possess because you. Well, just the live, whole yeah.
2: movie is in, is insane, right? Like literally, Kinderman says at one point, "Father, the whole world is a homicide thing." Mm-hmm. Has anything darker ever been said Ooh. in a horror movie, right? Like, because Blime. the whole movie is insane, the look of it, like you said, mirrors that. Right? Like dark. the greens and the darks and the, yeah, 1%. The only the only light in the movie is the friendship between the two that gets extinguished way too early on. I know. And I, I, love, I love the touch that they both think they're cheering each other up on that anniversary day. Yes. Right? The, the anniversary day of Damien dying. They're like, I got to go meet the other one because on this day, it's my duty to cheer him up. And they're both saying it
1: yeah i yeah i love that both of them kind of just had like this service commitment to each other and also i believe like that they know it's really like for themselves as well just to be together on that day that's it's important to you it's important to me and however we have to dress it up with ribbons you know whatever but both of us know that this is our friendship day and i i found that just incredibly beautiful especially for two grown men
0: Oh, yeah, because you don't normally see that sort of that that sort of deep friendship between these two men who are in almost diametrically opposed jobs. You know what I mean? Like one Mm -hmm. job is sort of there to basically extinguish the slime off the face of the earth and the other one is there to forgive the slime in a lot of ways.
2: Yeah, Yeah. Um, absolutely. And, you know, the weird thing is, I love that you said service commitment because. It always puzzled me why this movie opens up with the rowing shot. Oh, the rowing. And, and I, I think the service commitment thing is it, right? Like you're seeing a unit of people working together with a common goal, and that that's going to happen almost nowhere else in this movie, <laughs> right? <laughs> they, they 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 run out of the movie before the credits even, and that's the it for teamwork
0: yeah because everybody else is against everybody like obviously it's it's almost like the 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 two priests even that the talk like when father dyer talks to who whoever that other dude is who's just like why did you what did you say to him and he's like right. i told him jesus loves you everyone else thinks you're an asshole um there's was these like
2: the
0: priest morning glory or something yeah it was some some
2: well, father morning's the one who does the exorcist the other guy i can't even remember his name yeah because he like just a... kind
0: of he's a cameo guy he just comes in and oh. then you're like that's it that's all that's it. his job was basically to be a great setup for that ed flanders joke you know? <laughs> <laughs> which i wish i had on a bumper sticker
2: um, <laughs> totally.
0: but he you know it almost seems like they're kind of you know like i don't agree with you right like i don't agree with you right, right? and then all the other cops are like yeah well you know, yeah, I don't know if I agree with you or like I'm old school, you're new school, that kind of thing. Then they're not. Then there's the doctor, you know, the yep. the gentleman from so okay, I this took me a second, but I didn't know that the doctor, this the psychiatrist that's overseeing uh Dourif, you know, et cetera. The water, the water um,
2: lies is, Eliza,
0: yeah, is is the um is is the old is the old guy. Um is the old gentleman from the walking dead. I had no, oh Scott, God. uh, Scott. Oh my God. Yes. I can't fucking. I
2: know, it. Right. But he, I mean, he's been in a billion things, but I didn't put together the walking dead part. Not, not Walt.
0: Cause you watch the walking dead. So not Walt, <laughs> old, old man. Old? Herschel? is it
1: Herschel? Yes. Yes. It is Herschel. Yes. You're right. Yep. That's it. A, Herschel. Herschel. It's Herschel. I can name the characters on the walking dead, but I could not tell <laughs> you what they really are in real life. You know, finger snap. Sure. People,
0: Scott Wilson. That just came to yes. me. Was- <laughs> nice. Nice. But I saw him and I went, I was like, that, that face looks very familiar. Mm-hmm. And then when I realized who it was and I was like, oh, he's from The Walking Dead. And my boyfriend goes, who? And then I was like, he's from <laughs> the episode of Justified <laughs> where the bank robbers it. kidnap the guy on oxygen. And he goes, oh, yep. To oh, I was like man. thats him Right, and so
2: like, I, he's a quality actor, and he—that's yeah. why we don't think of him as the cameo guy like the other priest because he's so good in the tiny bit he gets to do. His little rehearsal with his notes.
1: Oh god! He's like,
2: oh my god, was so weird.
1: Where he's just like hey, his office oh, fucked me up. <laughs> where we had like the penthouse model. It was yes. all sorts of occult shit that you would find at, like, Spencer's and a spirit Halloween. And right. then, like, the a hell? life-size portrait of him in the corner. Like, you think he's talking into a mirror? Nope, that's just him. Just a huge, huge picture of him. I was like, who does... <laughs> What's office totally. is
2: this? So, and, you know, I love how uh, Brad Dourif dispenses with him later when he finds out that he's dead. And he's like, He's a coward. He couldn't hack it. I just wanted to do little evil things for me. <laughs> I just like I only had a plan for him to do like little shit. And little like, Yeah, right. But and he was like, I you know, I'm out he's like, I'm out of this movie, I gotta go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, he's He's so good in that, and like, I love, yeah, I, I love that Brad Dourif has this very matter of fact way of describing the carnage and a, a matter of fact mm-hmm. way of describing these things that he's doing and that he's done. Um, mm-hmm. which makes it all the more creepy and scary. Um, yeah, just I, part
2: of that? part of his like my pragmatic. favorite single line. I want to know what your guys' favorite line in the movie is. My favorite single line in the movie is when. Dorsey Scott hits him and he turns to him and goes, Oh, a few booze from the gallery. I see. Mm-hmm. It's so, it's so performative, right? It's so twisted that he still sees this as a game, even though he's literally gone to hell and come back to do this. He's still in like, he talks about showmanship and it's a very strange way, way he has of looking at what his work is, right? but the booze from the galleries is just gives me chills every time it's
0: it's very there's a lot of ego and a lot of narcissism in that performance Mm -hmm. um which which is normal for serial killers in general are narcissists and have huge egos danny Rawling once broke into song in the middle of the courtroom Mm -hmm. um and then recorded it and it was like i'm going to sell this like he Obviously, that's weird. Oh, that bro, yeah. Well, yeah. his
2: last three minutes on life on earth, he was singing. If I read it right, he, yeah, he literally sang right before they injected him. Like, he was, oh, he sang a, a hymn to a holy hymn that he wrote,
0: yes, like, that he wrote. The that's one, the best the part one of from it the he, good exactly. For yes, a holy hymn
1: that
2: right. he wrote. <laughs> God gave us some, but I'm gonna revise it for you. I've got more talent
1: um one of my absolute favorite lines was just a bunch of pies and anchovies <laughs> just like it's so rare like when it came to me like i had to pause the movie because i was laughing so hard i was like the fuck does that even mean like it's, you, know, you take the good you take the bad like all right facts nice. like just a bunch of pies and anchovies and that's what i'm that's going to say line. probably all week just- that's, a, that's the one
2: line from this movie that you could transplant directly into Twin Peaks.
0: Oh, I would, yeah, well, absolutely. I, I would love to change my Facebook quote to Jesus loves you, everyone else thinks you're an
2: asshole. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> I mean, but there are so many good lines in the movie. Like, even even some of the undersold ones that aren't, you know, particularly funny or whatever, but just even the, the chilling, like, at the end, even though it's a little cheesy, but when Father Morning goes into the cell and and Jason Miller just looks at him and he's like, this time you're going to lose. Yes, <laughs> it's, yes, it's, it's yes. So matter so matter of fact.
1: Right? And I loved the fact that he did. Because initially mm-hmm. when Father Morning goes in and it's like, dun-dun, you know, like, we gonna bat? And I was just like, wait, like, you're...
2: You oh, know, 100%. That-
1: <laughs> and I was, like, a little, like, let down. And then, you know, when... Pazul or no. whatever like you know <laughs> rocks his world and like he is just on the ground bleeding kind of Tobin Bell style and his <laughs> skin is coming off yeah his
0: skin is just peeling it you know, basically being peeled off of of like the
1: ceiling and I just yep. went yep. okay good I'm I'm glad that you didn't win but now is the detective who doesn't believe like who isn't, you know, like a God lover, uh, right. you're going to beat Prince? Like, I was real confused because uh, I, sure. I it never occurred to me that that they weren't going to win. You know, we right. didn't make an Exorcist 4. So <laughs> who's going to beat you? There's right. nobody left. What, is Linda Blair going to walk in now and be like, <laughs> haha? And I was like, please don't, like, go off the rails like that. And... No. Yeah, and just the way that it ended was, ab- I mean, absolutely painful and sad, oh. but yet, like, we still, you know, we still won, but at what cost?
2: Well, and the most twisted thing about that is if you think about that match cut at the ending, he holds the pistol right up to Jason Miller's head, his best friend before, you know, at Flanders, and he puts him out of his misery, and then it cuts to this sun in the sky that looks exactly like a bullet hole and i can't think of a more you know weird combination of hopeful and bleak mm. than, than to do that kind of like visual to take us out you know or at least from that scene there's a cemetery scene briefly after that but it's one of the last things you see in the movie i also love that i also was worried that father morning was going to win and that would be like cheesy and feel like a cheat because we didn't yeah. really know his character. But what I love is if you go back and watch the scene that he gets more into like radio DJ voice mode the further he gets into the exorcism. And when he gets to his proudest, deepest, yeah, I command you, that's when he's just getting wiped out.
1: Yes. Yeah, it goes (laughs) in. So like WWE, you know, like theme music going in, like, let's rock, homie. And it's like it's just flipped like a fly. Just done. yeah I he gets shut down just, like it's you know so root bad. for the devil but i totally was that
2: <laughs> <laughs> well and you know there's also a weird thing about the the movie Seems there's a there's a line that brad dorf says to george c scott where he goes i can help you incidentally and he looks at him puzzled and he goes with water what do you mean or something like that he goes with your unbelief mm-hmm. i can help you with your belief problem right and that's kind of the core of the movie is you got to believe in something transcendent for any of this to mean anything. And George T. Scott clearly doesn't, but he doesn't compromise at the end of the movie. The, the devil's got him pinned up against the wall in that big speech he gives. He's like, he's, he's not like, I believe in happiness or faith or power or whatever. He's like, I believe in like slime and murder, disgusting corruption. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then he finishes with, I believe in you and points to the devil. Right. So he's only been half helped with his unbelief problem.
1: Yes. Yeah, right? no, that that was a fantastic monologue. I'd like
2: to only George this guy could do it.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh it would come across so like campy and cheesy. It, you know. Yep. He was amazing.
2: I, I like to I like to entertain myself by imagining like James Franco trying to do that monologue.
0: Oh, sweet lord. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Zach <laughs> Ephron playing uh, Zulu, <laughs> the Gemini killer. <laughs>
0: the power the of Christ. <laughs> oh, man. No. Ashley, big fat no no.
1: But I did want to say to you, George, like, I absolutely, like, I like live and die on your Facebook. It has opened oh, cool. up so many new movies for me because I just get stuck in like, you know, the paralysis by analysis. Kind of, like I'll get on Shutter or Tubi, get and then I'll scroll forever and never pick anything. Right. And then be like, Man. oh, you know what? Hell House LLC. Let's just watch yeah. that again. You know, right. and I like right. I keep missing. So your Facebook page on Horror Weekly absolutely had like i've watched housebound now from that you know i nice. watched uh something else recently which is gonna escape me now because i'm in the middle of a compliment so it makes it Oh okay, no, uh,
2: there, well but, there's been so many too like the cool thing about the page is it it hit critical mass and became a feedback loop so now i i'll post something there'll be a bunch of comments on it some of the comments will be a great movie that I haven't seen, I'll watch it and then do a post about it. So it's like a true community effort, right? It's yeah. like a hive, it's like a hive, like right? Yeah. And no, it's got its own it. momentum in that way, which is, it becomes like a, you know, it, it became like a a mass effort to build a, a watch list. I mean, everyone keeps commenting about how they're getting a watch list out of what's happening there. And go figure, because Facebook of all places, like, right. That, it, my my like reviews for Horror Weekly on on um, Apple platform are hilarious because when you read through them, there's literally reviews that say, "I found this podcast through Facebook. I've never found anything valuable through Facebook in my life
1: ever." <laughs> ever facebook is like it's it's so useless for me i just kind of doom scroll it sometimes you know to like feel bad about myself and then you know i come across like your page and i'm all invigorated and like ready to fall in love with hard. so thank you for making facebook useful again well i mean thanks
2: to thanks to everyone who follows it because that's they're really doing the heavy lifting i i can't see enough movies in my lifetime to have that kind of like um, weird watch list building (laughs) that comes out of there. But, you know, when we threw up a vote the other day on, we asked like everyone on the community to vote on horror movies that exceeded their expectations. Housebound is the movie that won that vote. But like in 10th place was fucking Phantom of the Opera in 1925. What horror community is talking about Phantom of the Opera? Right,
0: right. No, no. Well, that's the thing that I really like about Horror Weekly is that although there will be some some times when people kind of get into a little like you know that's preposterous you know jason versus Mm -hmm. freddy is amazing you know um (laughs) Um, it doesn't really get into like dicky behavior and and which Mm -hmm. which unfortunately is a thing with the horror community sometimes is you know you have to watch out for just this um you know what is it called gatekeeping gatekeeping, gatekeeping mentality, mentality. Yeah. yeah which i ugh, can't stand because for me and, and i've said this on other episodes it's like there's room for everybody at the table man like there's room right. for like the new horror fan the old horror fan the horror fan that wants to change the horror fan that's looking 100%. to learn something different the horror fan that's looking to educate themselves on something that's more Even foreign the fan that loves
1: Freddy versus jason like come down right. 100 yep 100
2: percent. and you know that's the thing is like I do a lot of banning, but only when someone makes it personal. Because uh-huh. I want the discussion to have I want the discussion to have no gatekeeping except if they're personally attacking someone. Yeah. Right? Otherwise, otherwise like what you like, do you know. And like if you think about it in a bigger sense, it, it, here's the thing I do once in a while, I did it with Exorcist 3 recently, is I feel like horror fans are a little lazy in terms of saying, I've seen too many horror movies. My favorites are in the 80s or 90s, and I, and nothing scares me. Anymore.
0: Yes. Well, check this
2: out. I took my iPad out to the middle of a park with no lights in it at 2 a.m. and watched Exorcist 3. Guess what? It's fucking scary. Ah. <laughs> right? When you got to walk home two miles at 3 in the morning. It's scary, right? That's and I horrifying. Took <laughs> and I've done that with other movies, and they're not scary, but like, it's not as easy as to come into a horror community or go on your own podcast and just be like, by fiat, announce, you know, X movie isn't scary. Well, for you, sure, but maybe you didn't try hard enough, right. first of all, right? And then also, it's scary for other people, right? So, like, just talk about what you like or don't like or think it was successful at or not successful at, but to just declare it so oh, I, yeah. I don't want.
0: That kind of thing is just ridiculous because there's people who don't think that The Shining is particularly scary. But for those of us right. who actually survived addiction and alcoholism, The Shining 100%. is a very different film.
2: Right. And, you know, not to go off the rails here real quick, but like I was trying to think of. So Exorcist 3 really didn't influence many movies at all. It has not much of a legacy as far as I can tell. No one has tried to do real adult horror. The police procedural mixed with possession thing us from Evil did a little bit, but I don't feel like it was it was affected by it because it was kind of action-y, right? So, like, I think the true modern parallel is Dr. Sleep. Okay. Because Dr. And... Sleep has one central horrifying scene. Right. Just like the jump scare in Exorcist 3. Mm-hmm. It talks more than you would expect it to. And the talk in Dr. Sleep is about addiction. And the talk in Exorcist 3 is about the problem of evil, Right. And they both feel kind of really adult, um in what they're tackling, right? So like the closest analog to Exorcist 3 to me is Dr. Sleep.
0: Okay. I'm going to throw in, because you know, I'm going to, obviously, I have to name check this film every time we do an episode, but uh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm going to say, George, <laughs> but right. I'm going to throw in session nine as being an adult horror film as well.
2: I agree. 100%. 100%. And it's also one of those growers. It's a film that grows on you over time where re-watches reward... You're rewarded for re-watching it, especially as you get older in life and encounter things and you go back, the movie gets richer. Well, A lot of movies just lie there flat and don't enhance over time. But Session 9, definitely. And it's Very fucking funny. terrifying.
0: Yeah, it is. No, it really is. Because if you think about it, just... You know when you watch it a second time like after you've watched it the first time you watch it the second time and you know that this man has committed these atrocities and he's just wandering around business as usual you know trying to like tell his you know tell the foreman what to do and and to try to try to get this job done because he absolutely has to have that money um you know then you're they're even more horrified when he's picking up a cell phone that doesn't work calling his wife who's dead and you right. know all of those things are happening. It's like, oh, you know, it's just it's uncomfortable. And
2: which and it's grim.
0: It is. It's very grim. And I think um, Exorcist Three has that kind of that kind of grimness to it, just because it it's almost an unsafe movie, right? Because you're not yeah. you're you're like, well, goddamn, if they're gonna kill the priest, like. <laughs> like right. they're gonna kill his best friend within the first you know 15 minutes of this film well fuck right. who, who else is who else is on the chopping block right i mean who else are they gonna and go it's with?
2: also the way the people are being killed oh god uh, is is just nightmarish right like that's why it was so hard to walk home at three in the morning after watching this thing because it was just in my head of and you know it's interesting because there's a there's a part where Jason Miller recites the death me not proud thing and I found that fascinating because the death me not proud poem I think John Dunn wrote that it's it, the the piece he's quoting ends with you can't kill me right like don't be you, you, don't be proud of death because you can't do it to me I can't die I'm right. right and like the stakes in almost every horror movie is are, are who's going to kill you well that's out for this one like right. you might like defeat him, but you're not gonna kill him. He can't die, right? So it's 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 such uneven stakes. Like all he can do is temporarily get defeated as the demon, but meanwhile he can make everyone else die as horribly as possible. And one of the worst things in the movie is the moment when he talks about killing one of the first little girls that he killed as the Gemini killer, mm-hmm. and then he says, "I still here for her." I still hear from her from time to time screaming. And then he says, and then he says, I really think the dead should keep quiet. Right. Unless they have something to say. Right. That's so twisted. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like, that's, I don't get how I do. I mean, I totally understand how the movie comes off as boring to people when they're young. And it is for me in Mm -hmm. parts. I, it came across to me when I was young as I really love parts of it, but I also thought parts of it were so weird that like, I thought it was silly. Right. It wasn't until I gave it three or four watches that I was like, Oh my God, this is a masterpiece.
0: Yeah. It's one of those movies that the dialogue is so good and the storyline is so good. And I would like to introduce it to my mother. Cause you know, we've talked about this, how I watch my movies yeah. with my mom. This is not a mom friendly film. No. This is a movie that will make my mother very upset and will she will not sleep. I mean, she doesn't sleep anyway, but she yeah. will not sleep. And I'm not I'm gonna I'm not gonna not hear about this. Like that's the thing. Right. It's, it's a very like Angel Heart was pushing it, right? Mm-hmm. With fucking your mm-hmm. daughter and, and sure. yeah, of sticking course. a sticking a gun up someone's punani. Right. But this because of the dialogue, because of the descriptions of yeah. things. It would push yep. her into a totally different level. And I think the idea behind it being something that, you know, serial killers do exist in in the world, you know, uh, right. they're not necessarily possessed by demons per se, but they do exist in the right. world. They are horrible and they do commit incredible atrocities. Uh, right. and, we, and society has a fascination with this. <laughs> so, And
2: serial killers themselves, it, obviously, in some cases, like we discussed, See some parallel between not- demonic possession and their own experience of them.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. Ah, oh no, it was not me. It was Gemini.
2: Right. Right. Hundred percent. Right, Clearly, uh, yeah. It's my... not. It's not a. It's not a, a mom recommend movie. For, nope. For,
0: for nope. It's not. Sure. But, it's
2: definitely... You know, I think. I think in the end of the day, like the most single most important thing about Exorcist three is that Exorcist delivered one of the most the original delivered one of the most potent scares in horror history, right? It was the analog of however audiences felt in 31 or 32 when the original Frankenstein came out. It's like the psycho shower scene, but through the whole movie, right? It was, it rocked movie going audiences at the time. And they, it's kind of like that. Do you remember where you were when like 9-11 happened or GFK got shot? Like you remember the exorcist coming out if you're of a certain generation or you see it in a certain mindset. And it's because that scare was so potent that no one was going to accept a sequel that wasn't somehow absolutely terrifying on some level. And it manages to be absolutely terrifying on a couple levels. Right. Yes. And that's if you can't do that, you can't be a follow up to The Exorcist. You can follow up like Nightmare on Elm Street and not be super terrifying. That's fine. Right. Just do it a different way. Just do many, it many, like really- many,
0: many times <laughs> over.
2: <laughs> no so but many just do times it sty- over, look stylish or do it super creative or do whatever, and the fans will probably accept it, right? But without the fear element, that seed in there, it wouldn't have worked. And Exorcist Three did it.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now. Um, do you have any recommendations as far as like wreck of the week or anything that you would like to give shout outs to uh this time we would we would normally do our our puppy shout out but Murphy is literally fast asleep next to us he is not <laughs> <Aww. markings. laughs> he's not Aww. our normal shout out well,
2: I, I, I recommend rescuing a puppy um so uh yeah actually I there's this pet obsession of mine that I did an entire probably ill-fated one of my lowest number podcast episodes on it's a movie called Timekeepers of Eternity and I keep begging people to watch this movie because it's so interesting it's a it's so hard to describe it's a it's an animated reworking of the miniseries The Langoliers
0: okay right Stephen the King Stephen did, King right, right.
2: So it's a black and white animated reworking of it. And there's just no way for me to explain how glorious this is. But what they did was they took a long mini series with a couple good things in it and mostly misses. That's true. And they turned it, turned it into a 55 minute. Huh. And I've become obsessed with this idea that you can do this because I want to see whoever made this movie or other talent that people do the same thing to other things that I loved that almost got there that didn't. Like for example the Stand miniseries from like 2020, great cast like some good stuff in it but like also just really badly edited, weird like weird misses weird choices if you could just roll in
1: i'm sorry
2: no the oh. the, the 2021 it's um oh oh i didn't see that you're thinking,
1: uh, of, you're thinking
0: of the molly ringwald one
1: yes sorry yeah, okay. yeah no. i'll
2: go no back back. not the, back the back one secular. that starts with go fear the reaper that one's a classic that okay really
1: good. that was right. the one but, i was
0: thinking of and i was like yeah. whoa 2020 i'm like wait what
2: year are we yes. No, no they did they did a remake of what? it and it's so <laughs> forgettable the only thing i can remember from it is that Whoopi goldberg played mother Abigail.
0: Oh, that's a thing. Okay.
2: I I can't remember what else they did, but... Got it. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, the point is, of that four, whatever, 10-hour miniseries, there's like an amazing hour and a half. And the idea that people could just go in and rework it and take something that sucks and make it into a masterpiece is such a great idea (laughs) and should happen more. So... I highly recommend *Time Furies of the Trinity. I don't know how easy it is to find, but I Ooh. I love it. I watched it like five times in a row. Totally
0: upset. I'm, I'm. How about honestly, you guys? Yeah, I'm totally in with that. Do you have any recommendations this week? Anything you've watched?
1: Sure. Um, I just watched *Malignant*,
2: and oh, I loved go. it.
1: I loved it. Here
2: we it. go. Yes. I go. thought it
1: was so original. And just knocked my socks off. I, my nephew who's like 13, 15, I don't know. He's in his teens. Uh, He lives up in New Jersey and I texted him and I was just like, yo, you got to watch Malignant with your girlfriend. I'm telling you, I, I'm, you know, it's not like new, new, but I just saw it and it knocked my socks off. Oh my God. I've never seen it. I don't. So I always get Malignant.
0: And shutter is it shutter? No. What's the one about the what's the camera with the camera and the kids and the and the and the kids that killed their parents and Ethan Hawke shows up? Children? Oh, sinister.
2: oh, sinister, sinister,
0: right. sinister. Right. I get sinister, yeah. malignant, and anything that um Patrick Wilson draws hey, up.
1: <laughs> Insidious. Yeah. No. Right. I don't. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yes, so what's malignant? Totally.
2: So uh, well, I don't want to tell you what malignant is, but let me tell you, I have so many fond memories. And fair warning to people who come over to the Horror Weekly Facebook page, I'm a debater. <laughs> I'm probably going to get in trouble with them eventually, but um, I have so many fond memories about fighting about malignant on the page <laughs> because it's a very divisive movie. So it's a yes. horror fan.
1: So people hate this.
2: What, it's half and half. Yeah, some
1: half. people like, and I can see why people hate it. Like I, I get like I'm not lost on why people hate this. I thoroughly loved this. It's um, yeah, it's just you know, kind of like uh you know, there's there's a lady, you know, like bad shit's happening, mm-hmm. and you know, you just gotta figure out like what's going on. Is it rapey? No, no rapey. Not no. rape adjacent. Not.
2: Which is kind of miraculous because it's a big homage to Jallo, or however you say that word. Yep. And it's got a lot of Jallo references, but which well, are a rare. A that's a
0: yeah. People. You've already you've just you've you've sold me completely. All you needed to say was it's Jalo adjacent or whatever, and I'm like I am in. I am in.
2: That's it, that's his main source.
0: Oh, I could watch this one with my mom. I yeah yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. Right. This one's just batshit crazy. That's all. Yeah. That's I mean that's that's the thing is it's just a it's just an absolutely insane over the top intentionally campy at a lot of points movie spectacular okay i
0: love that all right so my my recommendation of the week uh besides no man of god if anybody wants to watch a, just a really good serious psychological fuck of a horror film uh <laughs> on a subject that's been well treaded i mean really honestly like I am one of those people that believes that she knows everything there possibly is to know about Ted Bundy and we're afraid to ask um, and can recite it, you know, at the drop of a hat because because of all of these documentaries, all of these podcasts, all of these books and things like that. So for me, it was already, you know, it it was already like well-worn territory, but then watching this interpretation of it and the way that he did this and really capturing the narcissism of that character. Um, or of that person rather, uh, was, was really huge. Um, the other recommendation I have is a podcast called puppet masters and castle freaks. Um, (laughs) this is a podcast that specializes in full moon productions. Uh, so they are running down the whole fucking list, man. We're talking everything from puppet master to test tube teens from the year 2000 to beach babes from beyond to, uh, Castle Freak, obviously. So anything that Charles Band breathed on at one point in time, um, uh, they they have, and they're really. I have to say this: they're very informative, and endearing, and funny, and they made me want to find these movies, which right. I am not the biggest full moon fan, not because I don't like them, but because I just wasn't exposed to them. I was exposed to the, the, the box covers more so (laughs) like I've seen the subspecies box cover, but I've never seen subspecies. Um, but it, it it got me into like, oh, let's go look up puppet master or go, let's go look up Meridian Eh, spoiler alert. It's not a good idea to look up Meridian by the way. Um, (laughs) it's a it's just a big old rapey werewolf porn um but oh everything else however uh so pu-
1: probably watch that later tonight yeah
0: <laughs> yeah because it's not i that's the thing i thought when i saw that box cover with sherilyn finn and the werewolf behind her i was like oh hello okay all right it's gonna be kind of you know naughty and it's like oh, it's just really rapey
2: oh no it's really well drop something the in the thing drink, I- rapey the thing I'll say about that recommendation is, even before I listen to the podcast, I know what kind of people I'm going to be listening to that name their podcast Puppet Masters and Castle Free. Like, it just explains itself. You already know how much of a good time it's going to be, because only a certain kind of person would start a podcast
0: Absolutely. In that yeah.
2: niche with that name, right? I thought, I met, wow, Barbara, they really did I met, good. I met Barbara Campton when I was working at Fangoria, and she is one of the most amazing people in the world. And like that whole kind of environment, and they're, they're just so much more thoughtful than you would think from the outside. Just you get absorbing the vibe, right? So really cool.
0: Absolutely. All right, George, if people want to stalk you on social media, where can they do that?
2: Well, as we discussed, our weekly Facebook page is the main way that would happen. I'm, I'm also uh, pretty active on threads, but those are the only two. I have no gift for Instagram. So I, <laughs> I was going to say you have
0: an Instagram, you just don't check it
2: very often. I don't even. I'm not even running. my You and me,
1: Instagram. George. You and me, George. <laughs> We're gonna love living in that house together on Exorcist <laughs> Three Mountain. It's, it's it's true. Hillary never checks her Instagram either.
2: Um, Come over to the podcast as well. Just it's just under Horror Weekly, um, because, like I said, the whole community has become a podcast. Uh, feedback loop so if you listen to the podcast and come over to the page with ideas the odds of you getting quoted on the next podcast are pretty good <laughs> true very
0: true and george has been very supportive of this podcast and very and, and very you know shout outy about us and about our uh about our show so we're we're really um
2: super in debt to you well, with don't, that. please don't do any thanks because it's just because you're amazing
1: well we think it still like blows my mind that people listen to us talk about the horror stuff and you're a real person and like you're really here and it's not just Aaron making fake like facebook accounts
2: (laughs) (laughs) i admire the effort the grind
0: in quotes likes (laughs)
1: us right here's a text message from george
2: It's going to break her heart when she finds out that I'm an AI creation of yours. Like, oh my okay.
1: God! Oh, the At that level th- of commitment to the bit, you just got to be impressed.
2: <laughs> oh when God. I turn around and another face comes out of the back of my head and it's real. real, real, real
0: and anyone who wants to follow us, uh, follow the show Manic Movie Monday podcast on Instagram as well as Facebook and stay manic, my lovelies.
2: All right, thanks for having me on.
1: Thanks, George.